The Dublin City Marathon for 2022 is in the books. 25,000 runners and more emotion than Italia 90, the Shawshank Redemption and the last episode of Friends bundled into one day. I didn't run it, but I 100% have my mind made up that I am doing it next year. And with the help of Sonia O'Sullivan, you can do it too. Yep, we are locked in and Sonia is going to coach us and build our whole year of running around the plan to run Dublin in exactly one year's time. This is the podcast to follow if you want to get on board and come with us on the road. And now we have our own exclusive Irishman Running Abroad podcast feed. Maybe you're listening to us right there, right now. Find us on your podcast app and you'll get every running episode plus bonus episodes with some very special guests. Today, we're looking back on the 2022 race with another Olympian who ran it, two-time European 400-metre champion David Gillick. After that, Sonia will join me to look back and hear from those of you that ran it. Sonia will also talk about exactly what you need to do next if you ran it and what you need to be doing if your body is to be ready for running any marathon in the coming year. It's a jam-packed episode of An Irishman Running Abroad. Sullivan testing the Portuguese. You know, I like to be fit and healthy, so the best way I know is to just get out there and run. Running was an outlet for me to, I guess, feel good about myself and, and take out some of the angers that were going on in my life. Sonny O'Sullivan is going to take the world title back to Ireland. David Gillick, over in Dundrum, it is great to have you on the Irishman running abroad the morning after the day before. Tell us, first of all, how you're feeling right now in this moment. Oh, look, I'm not going to lie. I am. I'm in bits. I'm literally in bits. Um, like even last night, you know, you can feel that onslaught of, uh, of muscular and joint pain. And then I, I'm not making this up. I, I, I like I, I virtually crawled up the stairs <laughs> and then got myself into bed. And you know when you're so tired and your legs are just they won't they won't kind of stay still because they're so fatigued. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I woke up this morning pretty early, and I couldn't get back to sleep. And I was tossing and turning just because it's my joints, it's my knees, it's my ankles, and like places like you know my glutes, so the top of my top of my arse essentially all the way down to my toes are wow. sore. <laughs> I mean, this is, this is people are going to take a lot of heart from this, David, I'll be honest with you, because there's people that have run it and are going to be in pain and think, I bet David Gillick's not in pain. Sure, that fella oh. did Hell Week and all the rest of it. How does it match up in terms it's of? Funny. <clears throat> yeah, pe- people are asking me that, like what, where and, and how does it compare to Hell Week? It's it's similar, but different in ways. And I think the thing about a marathon is that you know, you put your own expectations on you and it's all time-based. Mm. So like, as you're running, you're looking at your watch and it's either, you're either on pace or it's slipping away from you. So like inside that voice is kind of, come on, you got to keep going, you got to keep going, which is the same in Hell Week, but Hell Week, there was no sort of like, it was more survival. It didn't matter. You just had to finish. Mm. Yeah. Whereas yeah. I think with a marathon, like we all have our own little expectations of what we want to achieve from this and, you know, what pace we maybe want to go out and kind of stay at. And that's kind of the hard part as well. But they're both very, very similar in ways, particularly, you know, like as I was going up Klonsky Road yesterday, I honest to God, I was I was passing UCD on my left hand side and by the gates of UCD, um, I was like, look, David, you could just you could just zip through uh, UCD, <laughs> get to the other side and you can be back to backdrop before you're not. You, you, you could so end it. It did cross your mind. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to lie. Like, I, 
I struggled yesterday. Like the last, the last 10K was brutal. I've never, my body's never experienced anything like it. And hamstrings, I started getting cramp. I walk, had to walk in them um, in through Rackar. Mm. Um, and then you try and get going again. And then suddenly the other hamstring just seized. Like, the, you just, you, and, and then you kind of say to yourself, right, regroup. Just forget about the pace. You just need to finish this. And that's what it became. It was just get to that finish line. Mm. And there's times when, you know, you're going up Milltown Hill and, you know, you get up that hill and then you're dreading that turn onto Klonski because you know it's such a drag. Yeah. And yeah. this is where I think the marathon is such, like, yes, it's extremely physical, as we all know, but it's the mental. That last 10K was just, you had to you had to go to the well on a number of occasions. And to be honest with you as well, Charles, like, the, there was people dropping left, left right, and center. Yeah. I've never, it was like carnage. It was like a war zone out there. And, yeah. You know, I, th I think to be fair, like, well, it was very warm. The humidity was really high. And I think that probably caught a lot, a lot of people out because cramps, I've never experienced cramps like that, even in all my training, never. Hmm. You know, so, so tell me this, like I'm looking at your pace here going out and I'm sure people are analyzing and reanalyzing what they did yesterday. Could they have done it faster? Could they have gone slower? Would they have enjoyed it more if they'd done this, that and the other? I mean, the postmortem is probably agonizing for a lot of people today. And my heart goes out to loads of what do you think when you look back on those splits of 4.14 for the first kilometre, 4.10 for the second? That's super fast to go out in. Was that the plan? Yeah, it's funny, actually, because that's exactly what I did this morning when I couldn't sleep. I had the phone in my hand. I went into Strava and I started looking at my uh, my Ks and, and, and seeing exactly kind of like what happened, the postmortem. And like my look, I'll be honest, my my whole kind of thing with all this was, yeah, let's do the marathon and. You know, I began to get into the training and I began to enjoy it. And, I, you know, my the 10K went well, the half marathon went well. And I was around about that pace of like 4.10, 4.08, I think I averaged for the half. And I felt really good. So that's kind of where, I was, well, like if if I can sustain that, maybe I could get close to three. So that that was kind of it. Mm. But the, the biggest challenge for me was what was going to happen at like 20, 21 miles. And that was completely and utterly uncharted. You know, I, I, I've never gone that far. Training runs, yes, but not at that sort of pace. So I kind of was like, right, I'm going to go out at about like 4.14 average, 4.15 average. Right, That's what I tried to do. Mm -hmm. um, but I got to be honest, like the first half of the Dublin Marathon was tough. And th that caught me by surprise. You know, the hills coming out of uh, Chapel Lizard up the um, but kind of the hill in Ballyfermot. That's when there was a couple of warning lights on the dashboard began to flash. And I was like, all right, this isn't as comfortable as I felt before. And mm -hmm. that's where, yeah, like when I do look back, I kind of go, maybe maybe I should have went out a bit slower and then kind of maybe come through a little bit. But you don't know these things. And that's the thing about running. Like you've got to try and see where you're at. Like. There could be another day I go out in that pace and I'm completely comfortable and I'm fine and things just click. And that's where I think with a marathon on the day, there's so many different variables like conditions, weather, you know, how you're feeling, how you're feeling in the days and the weeks up to it. You know, that all does kind of um, yeah. come to the fore. And I, I think I think. Yeah, like I, I'm overall, I'm happy with the way it went, but like, I, like man, I'm telling you, like <laughs> the last 10K was brutal. So in hindsight, maybe, yeah, I should have maybe went out a little bit more conservative and um, 
and tried to come through a little bit. But like I said, you, you never know. Well, like David, I really take my hat off to you and everyone doing it. I was there outside the old schoolhouse trying to lock eyes with people and help them through that final, final push. Uh, you wouldn't believe the number of tweets and messages I've got from people who have said, strangest thing happened. <laughs> I was 0.2 of a mile away from the finish line and I locked eyes with Charlotte Regan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, have, I'll, I have one voice note here I'll play I'll play it for you it came in from Owen Blake is the name of this guy this is what he sent in to a friend and I somehow got this voice note very funny dude I was running it was probably at about the 40k mark I stopped to walk in an absolute shape about to give up I looked up obviously it's Jarlett's head shouting at me screaming me to go again so I started running again but it can't be underestimated David oh, right the crowd no. like talk to us a bit about the crowd well like, again I've never experienced anything like that and people might think yeah but you've ran in stadiums and stuff like that you know but when you're running in a sprint event in a stadium there could be two people or it could be a hundred thousand people mm. it's, you're very much in the zone and mm. it's over before you know it Whereas, like, I've gone down and I've watched the Dublin Marathon. The last 2019, my sister did it where I was down in UCD. And, you know, that kind of buzz and the atmosphere. And it's brilliant. But it's a different scenario when you're inside the barriers, you know, when you're on the road. And and that's the thing. Like, I I came through Castle Knock and at that point feeling good and all that. And literally, like, even as I'm talking to you now, like, the hairs on my arms and legs are, 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 are raising because... I, 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 it's very hard to describe. It's almost emotion, okay? Yeah. Like you get that sort of buzz, and it's 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 my hometown, it's my home city, and you know I always said if I was to do a marathon, Dublin has to be my first one, and like you know that's all great when you're going well and you get that buzz, and you know suddenly you look down to watch and it's like whoa, there's four ten, you you know it just pushes you forward, but when you're struggling, and when people like like that uh, own kind of described there as well, you lock eyes with people and it could mean the world to you. It mm. could just mean the world and someone's just kind of going, go on, keep going. And you don't know them. But yet there's that kind of common bond of like they're there to support you and you're in the depths of hell. And that could just be that little pep in your step to get you going again. Listen, like there, there is no spectator sport like it. I've been saying this to people mm. ever since I was there. When you're roaring at somebody at a football match, they're trying to ignore you. Yeah. <laughs> when and I wasn't roaring anything negative to anybody going, what are you running for, you piece of shit? You get your shit together. <laughs> it, it was more like I realized because I've been there a couple of times in a small scale in the half marathons that I've done that somebody saying to you, there is more in there. Yeah, you do have more. You don't know what's in there. Uh, saying that kind of thing to somebody, it just words are so powerful. <laughs> I mean, I, I was buzzing coming away from the barriers because you you knew that one, you were witnessing something extraordinary and two, that you were actually impacting upon it. Like you say, I'm just so happy that I didn't get a box. Tina said to me, Jared, you need to cool it down now. <laughs> Somebody's going to tell you to feck off. But I'm well, so like happy that it, it was working for you, too. Yeah, no, and you're right, and you you describe it very well. And like even, you know, I was hurting up uh, Klonsky Road, and again on the N11, right as I took that left onto the N11, and I got cramped really bad. And there was people just there, and like you know, just at this point, there's no barriers. You're just they can they can touch you if they want, you know. And it's just like they're just willing you on, and mm. like it, it's amazing because at this point, you you've got nothing left. 
Like they talk about hitting the wall. I've never experienced. I've probably hit a couple of walls now, to be honest, <laughs> yesterday. But, you know, when you have people there, it's just that encouraging. And it's it's when they look at you. That's the thing. It's just mm-hmm. the power of that the connection, you know, eye to eye. And you're like, yeah, come on, come on, I can go again. And then you just get the legs moving and, you know, you just keep kind of tipping away. But um, I have to say into like the last two mile, you know, was hard as well. That is a long, long lead into uh, Merrion Square. Like you just just go, where is this finish? <laughs> Did you ever think, David, that and I know you're probably not there yet, but like I watched, I've had the view of so many different versions of this story, right? So I've been keeping up with so many different athletes in our Irishman Running Abroad club. Uh, people like Ashling Byrne and Rojo, who ran it together, who knew they didn't have the training done, but said, we're treating it as a day out. We're going to run it together. And at 30 kilometers, we are going to take a walk break and we are going to enjoy it. Mm. There was part of me that was like, these two have cracked it. (laughs) These two have fully understood that whatever you've trained for, you need to peel it back and get to your sweet spot so that you can enjoy it is there any part of you that thinks about that now yeah look yeah there is like and again for for being my first marathon like i suppose me being me i'm competitive with myself and mm-hmm. i like challenge myself and I like to kind of give a bit of a, a target and aim for it and you know maybe in hindsight i probably i could have maybe went okay well like instead of going out in 420s or 416s pull it back a bit you know enjoy the kind of process see how you feel and then work your way into it you know and i think that's where you kind of need to really be honest with with yourself in terms of preparing for a marathon like how much work have you done because like the thing about the marathon is you'll be found out and that's that's i think kind of you know what happens with people an awful lot when they get to the latter stages of it so you're trying to prepare yourself and you're trying to really manage um your body but manage your mind as well because like 42k or 26.2 miles is a long long way and you know whether you've done 10k's or whether you've done half marathons the step up is is huge mm-hmm. it really is and that's probably something that i i may be underestimated so i think to who you're kind of re- re- referring to there yeah like it is that sort of sweet spot of of working enjoying it but making sure that when you finish that you're content and you're fulfilled um and i think everyone should be like more credit to everyone that kind of told the line like it's not an easy thing to do and even the whole preparation you you know yourself from your own running is trying to fit it into mm-hmm. your life with your family, your kids, your work. Like, it takes a lot of discipline and a lot of structure and a lot of routine and a lot of support from other people. So, you know, it's all of that. And i got to be honest, like, those were the people that I was thinking when I was trying to get up Robo Kill and really? the legs was saying, no, no, come on, David, you know. And there was huge support up there. And again, I'm from kind of Dundrum Ballantyre and stuff like that. So there was people. And it's amazing when you'd see a face that you recognize. You know, someone that you know, and you just kind of lock eyes with them, and suddenly you find something. Yeah. You know that yeah. you don't think you have, but it's it's that kind of almost like it's just the unprecedented support that was just out there was just phenomenal, and I think it's it's nice now to reflect on that because that's where the enjoyment and the fulfillment and everything comes from. And like it's such a buzz, I can't describe it oh. enough. Like it's just so cool. Well, I only got a taste, right? And Sonia did warn me. She said, if you go to it, you're going to be signing up. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that's it. But the um, the registrations now kick in pretty much this week, so they're trying to get you where it's, where it's hot. So uh, oh, they got me. They got on, me. David. Got no, got they it. got me. They got me. Hook, line, and sinker. We already have the Strava event in the Irishman Running Abroad Strava Club group. Please join up. There's already a hundred signups in there. We're going to build the year around this, lads. We're going to build the training with Sonia. She will keep us on track. Keep in mind what we need to be doing so that our bodies are ready for October next mm. year. I think it's the long form, isn't it, David? You do need oh. to have the kind of big picture in mind. When you go back to a year ago, what do you wish you were prehabbing in preparation for this? Yeah, you know, it's a really good point. I started kind of in January, right? And prior to this, my longest run was about 40 minutes. Okay. No um <laughs> Yeah, I was good for like a 5K. I could manage like, you know, a sub-19 5K, but anything past that, I'd struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, so I stripped it right the way back. And this is the thing that I think people need to to understand is start small and build. And it's about kind of getting the body efficient and getting the body comfortable uh, at running distance. So you need time on the legs. So you build it up nice and gradual, you know. Okay. So don't be kind of trying to be a hero and going out and, you know, suddenly you're doing 60 minutes you know, a year in advance, you need to just start nice and small because people are going to come from all different levels. So you need to make sure that you're building the endurance and the efficiency. So even getting your heart rate under control and understanding what an easy run is and what like a tempo run is, uh, understanding what your long run pace is going to be, all of these things really do matter. The other thing I say as well is you need to condition the body. And that's probably something that I didn't do enough of. Because what do you mean by that? You mean like lunges, yes. squats? Yeah, you know, really condition the muscles, you know, to take to take the time on the legs. So everything from like strength and conditioning to, you know, looking after your Achilles, your lower limbs and um, your hips, all your joints, staying, staying like mobile as well. So stretch, foam roll, do all of these things and make it a habit. You might feel like, oh, I'm grand, I'm fine, I'm fine. But like what I found was that as you build up the mileage and you build up the mileage and suddenly you'll be up like, you know, 15 miles, you'll be up to 18 miles. Your long run is probably going to tip into 20 miles. That's an awful lot of time on the legs and it's an awful long time out running. And that's where, and in particular with me, I kind of found the last maybe the last six weeks, the body was beginning just a little, get a little bit tired here. You know, work as well. Your people are sitting down at desks, they're in cars. All that stuff isn't really conducive to, to running. So that whole kind of holistic approach to it you need to kind of nail that early on and build that routine so the running is one part but i definitely think that kind of prehab strength conditioning staying uh, flexible all these little things like yoga pilates would all really help you okay Um, well that is that's super advice a year out guys if you're listening to this thinking yeah i might give it a go and with that in mind i'm going to visit Vinny mulvey here in ashburn uh, next week do you know Vinny? I know Vinny. He's Vinny's great. He's brilliant. And yeah, again, top of the line, right, in terms of what you're talking about here. Absolutely. Preparing the body, getting the balance right, making sure that there's nothing in the way that's going to become a big roadblock down the road. As people know, I've had a little bit of a back issue and I imagine that it comes from a certain amount of imbalance from the Achilles and ankle stuff that I've had in the past. Why don't we all try and get this stuff straight? If you're listening to this now going, yeah, I bet that knee is going to flare up. It's we've got the time. Get it all. Yeah. Get it all sorted. Uh, but that uh, with that in mind, though, David, will you be back next year? 
I think I will. Yeah, yeah. No, like I have to say, like I, I've loved the whole journey. Like I went through a phase in my life where running was my everything, and then I retired from it, and I kind of, yeah, look, I fell out of love for mm. yeah, running. I think we talked uh, about this, yeah. Yeah, we did, and and I think what I've really enjoyed over the last kind of like half a year or guts of a year was having a bit of a structure, having a routine and having a target and working towards something. And I think that's the sense of accomplishment when you finish the Dublin Marathon is that, you know what, you've put everything into it, you've worked really hard and you've got around it. And I think that's the buzz. And like, I, like just the anticipation and working towards something and even for my own family, my kids to see me out there doing something like that, you know, that's what kind of fills me with a bit of pride. And yeah, like it's, it's, um, my wife turned around to me the other day and was like, you know, oh, David, you know, I'm not stupid. Um, I know this isn't going to be the only one. Um, but now she's like, oh, she wants to do it. Yeah. So again, you're inspiring people. And no, I'll, I'll be back. I'll be back. So you, I get the impression you did quite a bit of this on your own, on your chat. Yeah. I, and actually, is, that that, a mis- is that a mistake? That's a really good point, actually, and something I should have mentioned. I, I did. I kicked off um, a lot of this all by myself and... What I found was when the runs got really long, I found it quite hard. Yeah. And I think you definitely, definitely need that social element to it. Definitely. Mm. Whether it's going out with one other person or going out with a group, do it because it makes it so much more fun and mm. the long runs an awful lot easier. Yeah. And I mean, every gang that I saw running, I saw a gang of skeletons up around the Phoenix Park <laughs> at mile three. Shout out to those boys. Uh, I saw gangs of people and they all looked like they were having the most enjoyable time. Uh, it, it does. It doesn't strike you as a team event, but perhaps it is. And maybe that's the beauty of our podcast, beginning with the concept of running together while we're apart. Now that we can run together, it'd be great if you can establish which listeners are near you. I know Mick Kinnahan uh, up in Louth found that there were a bunch of listeners around the corner from him who he now runs with. Let's try and figure out who's close to you and let's see if we can get you to gang up together and then eventually have all of us uh, come together. Would you join our squad, David? Could I put you could I put you to the pin of your collar and say, will you be in Sonia's squad for next year? Yeah, of course you can. Yeah, more than happy to jump in, you know, because I think the more kind of groups and the more people you can go out and run with um, and the social element, as I touched on, is really important because it's. It's a long slog. Yeah, I got to admit, it's a long slog. And there's going to be days where you're feeling tired and you're feeling a little bit, you know, I don't, I'm not up for it today, but it's that accountability. If you know you have to meet a group of people down the park or wherever, you'd be damn sure you're going to show up, you know, whereas when you're by yourself, you might kind of go, oof, mm-hmm. I'll take a little rest day. And that's really important. And I think it's that encouragement as well. When you have people who are maybe new to it, if you've got people who have run a couple of marathons, you know, that's where it all kind of comes together. And that's what you need. And I found that this year, I was doing uh, a bit of work with the lads out of Tala AC. They're called the Sandbaggers and uh, they're a great bunch of lads. Um, you're talking about lads, you know, 20 years older than me, um, but they're brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And, you know, I wouldn't have been able to do all the long runs if I didn't have their support and, and help and advice and just general crack, you know, mm. that's what you want. Let me give a couple of quick shout outs here to people who've been, t- who've been in touch. Andrew Lynch, Colm Casey, Michael Lysett uh, and Owen Lynch were running and raised funds for the Curlew Conver- Conservation Efforts for Birdwatch Ireland. Fair play to you, lads. Uh, Dara Rowe was in touch. She sa- he says, Wilma Rowe ran her first marathon. Huge well done to her and the Navin Athletics Club for their slow run crew. This is it. The slow run crew is what you need. This group represent 
all that is good about marathon running, Dara says. I spotted Jarlath in the crowd on the run to the finish and got a great lift from it. The support was off the scale. Neve O'Grady, I ran my first ever marathon. Fair play to you, Neve. Let's just say, uh, let's just say I'm middle aged. I loved every minute except for maybe miles 19 to 22. I have to ask you about those, David. Support was unreal the whole way around. Definitely going to be doing it again next year and smash my first time ever. Dominic Manning says that he ran beside Caroline Manning for her first marathon. My third, he says. Uh, she broke six hours. And more importantly, we raised 1300 euro for mental health in Ireland. And I was thrilled. Fair play to Dominic and Caroline. Were you raising money for someone, David? Was there was there a charity involved in your own run? Yeah, there was. I was doing it for Friends of the Coombe, the Coombe Hospital in Dublin. So I, I, I helped raise money for Friends of the Coombe throughout Hell Week. And I kept that going then for uh, for the marathon. So um, it's a charity that's close to myself and my wife and mm-hmm. uh, our hearts. So like, it's just a nice way to kind of give back. And, you know, that's the beauty of, uh, of doing a marathon. You know, you can raise money for for lots of things that mean something very personal. And that's what you draw on, particularly mm-hmm. in the last bit when it's really tough. That's you know, it goes back to why you're doing this, who you're doing it for, and that can be a great motivating factor as well. Okay, final question about the uh, miles 19 to 22. Is there, those are those are kind of legendary tough miles in, in this particular marathon. Is there any way of preparing for it, or is it just like Hell Week? You just got to live it. You got to live it, but you have to be prepared that you, you're going to hurt. Everyone's going to hurt. And generally in the marathon, as someone said to me, there's two halves to a marathon. Uh, there's 32, uh, 32.2K and then 10K. Nice. And if you kind of correlate that into mileage, you're kind of pretty much bang in and around that uh, area. And it is, it's very, very hard. Like it's, it's the point where I suppose, you know, from a physical standpoint, the body is completely depleted. And that's where it's really important that you try. And, and this is probably another thing to factor in for people is you got to try out what works for you, the gels and how you feel yourself because you desperately, desperately need that from a physical standpoint, but even from like a cognitive standpoint, you know. So mm. that tends to kick in around like when you look at Dublin, that was coming down Milltown. And lo and behold, there's a hill in Milltown. So you know what I mean? You're kind of at that point now, I've got to get up this hill. And it's tough because then you're into Klonski all the way up, like 20 mile, 21 mile. Um, and it's a tough part of the course. Mm-hmm. And where that hits you is when the body is completely like, you know, you're, you're on fumes by this stage. So you've got to be prepared that like you're going to hurt. Um, and don't underestimate that as well. But you've got to persevere. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where it comes down from whether it's Hell Week or whether it's doing a marathon. Very, very similar. Um, and for me, that's where uh, my Charlotte and the kids were in Milltown. Um, and that kind of was like, right, I got through Terran year and I was tired. I'm not, not going to lie. Like I was beginning to really kind of feel it there. And I had one of my buddies, I had him on a bike uh, and every five mile, including them, we kind of put in 18 miles as well. He was meeting me to give me some a gel and stuff, you know. Yeah. So I kind of, he broke it down for me. And then once I got past him, I was like, right, Charlotte and the kids are going to be in Milltown you know, work to that, work to that. And you see, you break it down in your head into little bits. And I think that's really, really important. But make like make no mistake. That's where it really kicks in. That's where it really absolutely kicks in. Well, listen, David, thank you so much for coming on here. In the second half of the show, we're going to bring in Sonia and we're going to hear from your voices, more of you that have run Dublin this Sunday. 
uh, with a view to figuring out how we can do it next year. Sonia's going to give us a bit of advice along the lines of what David was saying about getting ahead of the preparation. I'm definitely going to be very focused on conditioning my body to let it know what's coming. Uh, But what about afterwards, David? Have you any tip for anybody in terms of what you're doing for your recovery that's helping? Well, right now... I'm literally sitting on the couch. I, my le- honestly, I, my legs are aching. I'm sore all over my body. So, no, I might um, I might go for a swim just to try and get the legs, um, the weight off the legs. But no, to be honest with you, I'm just going to take it easy for maybe the next kind of two weeks or so, and then see where I'm at. So maybe kind of get into a couple of recovery light jogs towards the end of this week. But I'll be definitely um, getting the calories in. I'm going to eat the house down now <laughs> next couple of days, and uh, yeah, just try and enjoy it. Like it, I, I've nothing now that I'm overly preparing for. So um, we'll reevaluate it. But I'm going to definitely just chill out for a little bit and get a good massage as well. I'd love next year to see a bit of an after party myself. I felt a little bit like Andy Tracy, our team manager, flew in from England and he did feel a little bit like, well, where's the party at after this? It is kind of beautiful in the way that Dublin expects you to submerge into the pubs around the neighbouring streets. But uh, maybe we'll have a look at that, a bit of a, a bit of a get together or a spot. The weather was just astonishing. It probably felt more like an opportunity missed because of the weather. But at the same time, I don't think you, bookies would have taken a bet in terms of the weather that you got for it. It just seemed perfect. But as you say, a little bit on the on the warm side. So I'd imagine you'll need to hydrate a fair bit today, David. Well, Gerald, well, even on that, like, you know, I was surprised at how dehydrated I was after mm. it. Yeah. Like that, that, like that's another thing that kind of caught me by surprise. And even when I went on to Mistrava, humidity was at 95%, yeah, nuts. which is ridiculously high. And even when we were running up through Stony Batter, which is two and a half miles, the first water um, kind of water station, people were going, were, were even saying, God, you know, it's, it's humid and we're sweating an awful lot. So things like that can kind of just happen on the day, you know. And, yeah. uh, but I do agree with you. I think a good pasta party uh, afterwards would be great fun, you know, get people. <laughs> Better. Um, just have a bit of a wind down, you know? Yeah, yeah why not? Well, I'll, I'll get working on that too. David Gillick, always a pleasure to have you on. We look forward to having you back again soon. And stick around, guys, for the second half of the chat when Sonia joins me and we get to hear your voices. The best way to hear Irishman running abroad and all of our episodes in full is over on patreon.com forward slash Irishman abroad. You get access to Sonia's half marathon training plan, which I'm now putting together into a PDF booklet. She can carry with you wherever you're going and you can adjust that to whatever pace you want to run it at and of course hundreds hundreds of episodes in the back catalogue of Irishman Abroad including the definitive David Gillick episode with a deep dive into what he talked about there his love-hate relationship with running and his glittering career David thank you so much for doing this thanks for having me on Jarvis. appreciate it Sonia is here with me now over in spooky Portland <laughs> how, are, how are things there Sonia yeah, we're st- we're in the last half hour of Halloween here. <laughs> it was um, yeah, I actually forgot that the um, the clocks changed in Ireland this weekend, but not here. So, oh yeah. God. <laughs> I wonder was we didn't actually hear of any anyone running the marathon who got caught out by that. I, I, all the chat in the group was that people were setting multiple alarms around the house and not trusting that Apple wouldn't be hacked <laughs> that they would somehow miss the race. But everybody seemed to get there on time. What was your takeaway from listening to David Gillick's chat there? David, he had the full experience, didn't he? Because mm. I, I had seen that he was training, you know, 
Cordis Marathon for, for quite a long time. I often saw him mention it throughout the year and uh, only realized recently that I hadn't really been following him <laughs> that closely because I, I couldn't look back at his Strava. So I'd be very interested to see the training that he has done in the lead up to this and just to see what was he missing because he was obviously missing something because he was doing a lot of long runs and he seemed to be on top of this. He had Emmett Dunleavy coaching him, but he definitely had a pretty tough second half to the race. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, maybe he went out, maybe his ex- expectation was was greater than it should have been, for, for especially for the first marathon. Um, and, you know, when you go and attack it, and he did say that he, you know, felt pretty, it was hard work the first half. And you really don't want to feel that, you know, yeah. because th- then that turns the second half into a very long second half. If you haven't kind of just coasted through the first half, mm. um, you know, they say in the marathon, it really doesn't start until 10K to go. You know, you've got to get yourself to 20, 20 miles and then you can start racing and competing. And I suppose for for most people, it's just challenging themselves to the re- the goal that they've set themselves. Um, so yeah, if you, if you go too hard too early, you, you definitely pay for it later on. Yeah. I mean, the big takeaway for me was how philosophical he was about the whole thing. And I guess that does come from years of, you know, elite athletics that there was no, oh, poor me, oh, this, that, and the other. It was totally, well, I learned so much. His attitude was completely towards well I, i've got all of these lessons learned now that uh, the next one's going to be lots of fun we've had so many voice notes from listeners thanking us and you specifically for the podcast and the advice you gave uh, here is just one from dave mcgeady hey so um yeah i wanted to thank uh sonia for some really good advice come up to the marathon i finished it just under four hours but the thing is that i've been training to do it in, in 310 and up to the marathon has a kind of an issue with my knee just a bit of a niggle and then the week before the kids were under the weather and i picked it up off them so i just really wasn't feeling it at all so i was kind of figuring out what i was going to do anyway sonia said in the last episode she said you really gotta know why you're tuning the marathon that's a really good question so I, I think previously i might have decided to go look i'll give it a lash anyway see what happens but the chances are i would have blown up uh, at some point and it would have been an awful struggle to the finish line and um, what if i had an awful day out and that's the other thing that Sonny said is you need to have a good day out here and i would have had a good day out so i was kind of honest with myself going up to it and i decided to instead just change my goal altogether and to go out with the four hour pacer, which is, is exactly what I did. And it was still a tough day out. <laughs> I had to fight for that, but it was a much more realistic goal and I managed to, to achieve the goal. And as a result, I had a great day out, really enjoyed it. So thank you to Sonia for that really good advice. And thanks to, to both of you for the, the podcast. It's really helped me since I found it. It's been invaluable for for all my training. So thank you so much. What a lovely voice note to get, Sonia. But really, that that piece of advice is just so invaluable. We talked about it with David even there, just peeling it back and recognizing why you're doing it. Yeah, I mean, it's great to hear, you know, the people when they listen to you, like when they kind of, I suppose, say it back to you, then it 
makes more sense. Like when <laughs> I think sometimes when you say things, you don't really know <laughs> who's listening or you know is, is it going in being understood by people because mm. you know there's certain things it they don't often get understood and they can get um lost in translation of you know I suppose things that come naturally to me mm. and um. I think I've kind of experienced this myself in the past week or so because I took on a couple of different things where I went to um, back to a swimming um, group, so the Nike Swim Club, and the guy comes out with the whiteboard and he's got all the swim stuff on the board. And, you know, they speak another language, the swimmers. What the hell is he on about? And... <laughs> It's like, you know, you just kind of, there's not, because it's all happening so quickly, there's not enough time to ask questions. Sometimes you just have to kind of just go for it and mm. hope for the best. Mm. And I'm sure that's what it's like for people when they're doing crack sessions sometimes. You know, if somebody is saying to them to go certain paces, um, the recoveries, um, stride, drills, it's just another language, and mm -hmm. I think when it come when you understand it so well, you don't understand how other people may not understand it, and it is like speaking a foreign language. Yeah, and yeah. I, so I think the best thing to do in that case, and this is what I've done, is that you kind of you speak to the coach or whoever you know you know knows what they're talking about afterwards, and then you try even if you pick up one or two little things for the next session. It just makes it that little bit easier and you can relax a bit more. <laughs> yeah. And I think you have to, the coach said, he said to me last week, he said, you know, he said, if you need to take a time out, just take a time out. And then, you know, you just, you just said, just complete as much of the session as you can. Like you don't quit and walk away, but you, you do as much as you can and then you build on it every week. So you're always kind of improving a little bit as you go, because, you know, no matter what, sport or activity you do there's going to be people in it who are pretty good at it and it's second nature to them and um yeah for me swimming is yeah it's a bit of a challenge yeah so, so you you've started this like i should give a quick shout out to dave's wife laura murphy who also completed the marathon having only started running in january 2021 which is insane laura congratulations that that gives us all hope and i think you're journey with swimming now uh, and taking on this is like maybe it does uh, help you as a coach kind of understand the breakdown and you know as you say the amount of people that are uh, or it kind of brings you back to that newbie feel that so many people had in relation to this Kira Cullen for example uh, absolutely her first ever marathon and you know, glued to the podcast every week to hear what you would say. Let's let, actually let's hear from Kira now. I did it. I cannot believe it. Oh, just thanks so much, everyone, for the support. First marathon, it feels amazing. And I am 100% going to do it again. Just so chuffed with the support from everybody. And my day was just perfect. I ran ran to feel and sprinted the last part. So incredibly happy. Congrats to everybody who did it and to all the supporters. As I said to Gareth, I was meant to meet you guys and can't wait to run with you again. Thank you. Bye. 
congratulations, Kira. She mentions what's been kind of the theme of this episode so far is the community, right? The community side of this and even you with the swimming, it's being in the group there, which on the one hand gives you the uh, sense that you can't stop the thing and ask people what's going on. <laughs> but it, it, do you find it with the swimming as well that we can make this task much easier by doing it with the group? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, for me, being in the swimming pool, there's no way I would be able to stay in there for an hour by myself. Um, but when you're with people and they break it down and it just becomes a bit of a game. And and then also, I think because you're trying to keep up and you're so focused on not losing touch with what's going on, you're not paying attention to the clock and you're not, you know, you're not looking and saying, oh, how long more to go here? Um, you just, kind of, <laughs> you know, somehow the time goes by pretty quick. Um, and I think that's probably what happens. I know well, it definitely happens when people meet up to run with other people. Um, I think there's always the extra bit of energy and adrenaline when you agree to meet some people to run. Um, you get up for it, I think. Mm. Um, then kind of, you know, just toddling out the door by yourself and, oh, I must go for my run. I think there is definitely a, a, a great energy about going to meet people and the boost that it gives you, whether it's, you know, training, um, going for a race, going for a park run. And, you know, I think probably with the social media and all the different apps and things, it, it just allows people to connect more um, and to, you know, support and encourage each other. And, and you definitely sense that, you know, even watching the Dublin Marathon from afar, just all the different comments and reports and, you know, everybody is, you know, so encouraging of others, um, in, inspired by them. You know, thinking, wow, maybe this is something I can I can do myself. And, you know, probably having everybody back together in Dublin for the first time in I think three years. Yeah. You know, I'm sure that made it even greater for the people competing and running and, and also for those watching and supporting on the sidelines because there was so much about, you know, the encouragement and the support all around the course. Um, mm. and, and, you know, from yourself being out there as well. And I think that, you know, when you do, when you see people, you know, in the crowd as you're going along, it, it definitely gives you a bit of a buzz and a bit of a pep in your step, you know, it kind of gets you to lift back up again. And, you know, even if it's just for another couple of hundred meters down the road, it just gives you that little bit of a buzz and it distracts you from, you know, the, the difficulty, particularly later in the, in the event. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if anything, I wondered about how I might manage that uh, when the day comes, because uh, like that oscillation of, oh, hi, how are you doing? And having to high five everybody, as Laura Hobbins mentioned to me, shout out to Laura Hobbins uh, and Neil Fusco, who both ran incredible races, uh, that high fiving people all the time must take something from the tank, right? That there's obviously a limit to how many high fives you can give around the course. It sounds absurd to be saying this, but is that a consideration sometimes that if what, like some people would wink at me <laughs> and I was like, that's proper <laughs> pro shit right there. <laughs> they wouldn't go thumbs up <laughs> like I need the energy <laughs> blink like, one did you, eye. Yeah, did you get a few nods? Did you? <laughs> I, I did. I got a few death stares as well. It has to be said <laughs> as well. Um, I wanted to ask you, Sonia, about where people are right now, right? We're, we're releasing this on the Tuesday. 
after the Sunday marathon. Now, people will be going, oh, I'm taking it easy. And the amount of voice notes that we've had from people going, oh, cake all week and pints and chips. What is your, maybe give us the top three things that people should really be thinking about this week to get the body recovered as as best as they can? Well, I think from an from an active point of view, the, the main thing is to keep moving. You know, it's very tempting to just kind of sit down and go, I'm just having a rest here. <laughs> and I'm not, you know, I'm not putting one foot in front of the other. I'm just going to really just sit down and enjoy this. Now I've earned it. And, and you can do that to a certain degree, but, you know, everybody still needs to keep moving and you can take yourself down from being, you know, training for a marathon to I'm just going to do a normal level of activity here now. And so I think, you know, walking is good. If there's any way, you know, anyone is, I think, you know, sometimes you just need to, I suppose, do something, you know, it, it, it doesn't do you good to stop and do nothing. But mm. even like to make the effort to go for the swimming pool, you know, as kind of awful or <laughs> as it might seem, or it might be the last place you want to go in November, you know, it would be the best thing for people to go into the swimming pool, either go for a swim, go for aqua jogging, just to get Keep things moving. moving. Yeah. In, and it doesn't have to be for a very long time. You'd be amazed at how good you would feel after doing something like that because it just kind of there's no weight bearing involved and it's just a little bit of exercise because there's only so much eating and drinking you can do (laughs) and you need to kind of get the kind of good vibes feeling again and I mean some people will be straight back into it and they'll have no problem with that Um, but for many people you know it's like oh I just gotta like let it all hang out here now and just do nothing. But I think for, you know, to start back up again and be looking forward to maybe the next event, you definitely need to kind of have a a downtime and you have to manage it. And you don't, I mean, you don't have to do this huge amounts of activity. It's just, you just got to think of it as this is a recovery tool. This is something that's good for me. You know, the mm-hmm. marathon training was really good for me. The marathon was great. You know, you get a great feeling for doing it, but it's probably not that good for you <laughs> to run a marathon. Yeah. Like it, it really, the wear and tear, and it just takes a lot out of people. Um, you know, it affects everything from your, your muscles, your tendons, your bones, like your whole body system is just wiped out after doing a marathon. Mm. It really is like you totally feel drained. And you have to rebuild that whole everything back up again and you have to do it slowly. Okay, so that's the that's the movement. That's the activity (laughs) side of it. Now, there will be people, let's be honest, and this is just facts. There's going to be people quite sad. There's there's actually a there can be the sadness of loss that the event is gone. There can also be the sadness that you can't really tell anybody about everyone's clapping you on the back. You did the marathon well done, but it went it went all wrong. It wasn't how you wanted it to go. And you're kind of living in that misery on your own. What mentally would you do in that situation? Because you've obviously seen both sides of that coin. Yeah, that's really difficult when, you know, because every, like, there's definitely a sense around the place now that, you know, 
everybody is great when they finish a marathon. But some people, you know, they don't feel so great. And they think, oh, that just wasn't what I wanted. It wasn't what I expected. I thought I would do so much better than this. So you kind of have a negative feeling, a negative vibe about it. So then you don't really want to talk about it, mm-hmm. <laughs> even though sometimes you need to do that. Um, so for someone like that, the best thing is probably to find someone that you can go for a walk with. Maybe in a few days time, you can go for a jog with and you just kind of put it into perspective and you think, well, it's not the end of the world. Yeah. You know, there, the chances of having a bad one, you know, there's a good chance that a certain percentage of people who run the marathon are not going to feel as good as they'd like to after. Um, and then you have to figure out, okay, well, do I want to do this again? And I'm, yeah. how am I going to manage to do it better? And that's one of the things that David said as well. He was saying that, you know, when you do a marathon, when you train for it, when you line up, everybody starts their watch and they're all, you're all focused on the time and the pace. Uh, even if you don't really want to be, you still are. Everybody has some kind of time target or goal in mind that they're focused on and it affects how you feel when you're going around. Um, and I don't think that was always the case. I'm, I'm sure when marathons first started, people just lined up. They probably didn't all have stopwatches. <laughs> and they just saw the time when they crossed the finish line. And so they didn't know what was going on throughout the race. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was a surprise. <laughs> look how, look yeah. how fast I finished. Mm-hmm. Um, and you do, you often hear of like, even like elite runners who, you know, are out there competing to win the races. Uh, oftentimes they won't even wear a watch or they won't pay attention to the watch as they're going along and they're trying to really focus in on how they feel. So I think that's important afterwards is that you focus in on how you feel and how you kind of recover from that and get yourself back feeling good again. Um, and, you know, it's not all about, you know, getting all serious and back in the routine and everything again, but this is just for you know, to, to, to make it easier for you when you do restart back in the regular running routine again, because everybody will want to do that again. Um, because you feel worse from doing nothing than you do from Mm -hmm. doing something a lot of the time. And so you just need to kind of, and stretching, stretching is probably a good thing to do. Is That's probably a good uh, thing to do. You know, like you said at the start, that like sometimes <laughs> there is a concern that some of your advice doesn't go in. But some of the stuff here that people might go, well, that's for... As for very fancy runners, <laughs> as for the, you know, the, the hardcore people. But I think the advice that you've just given there is directed specifically or maybe not or should resonate an awful lot with those that ran it in what are regarded as slower times because if you're somebody who let's let's talk about Ronan and uh, Rojo and Ashling Byrne here who did it in their own time at their own pace took their walking break at 30 kilometers uh, kind of felt guilty in some ways that they hadn't committed the uh, training that others had there can be the Uh, impetus or the idea that and now we rest forever. (laughs) Christmas is on the way. Feet go up and this is it now. That is all the running I need to do for the next three months of my life. But 
look, getting out there and getting moving, keeping context on it. Would you recommend that walk with somebody to if you are framing what could be a disaster in your own mind? Does that walk? Is it better to walk with somebody who knows about running or somebody from a completely different sphere? Um, I suppose it depends on what you want to talk about. Sometimes you just want to go for a walk and talk about something else altogether. Yeah, get your you head off go, it. Yeah. Or you might just want to go somewhere different, you know, somewhere that you would never run because it's too difficult to run. But you go for a walk and you might listen to nothing or you might listen to a podcast and just kind of take yourself away mm. um, and do different things. You know, we, when when people run and are training for a marathon, they're a bit restricted on where they run. Yeah, and, you're and free how now. They run. Yeah. Now you're free to go exploring and go to new places and not worry about being able to run at a certain pace. And, you know, if it's a bit stop start, then, you know, that doesn't matter. That's OK. Um, so it's just about going, being getting back out there and en enjoying exercise for what it is, not for, you know, the, the goal of running a marathon. Um, and I think the more you can move, the more water and fluids that you can drink um and then and 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 the other thing see there's so much thing traps that you can fall into after the marathon like you can you can stop you can just stop running you can sit down you can um go out and drink you know beer and wine <laughs> and everything else eat all the bad so you you go totally the opposite to what you've been doing all along mm -hmm. And there's nothing wrong with doing that for short term, but I think the longer you kind of fall into that trap, then the harder it is to get out of it. And yeah. because you just relax, you know, you're kind of a bit, you're aware of everything while you're getting ready for the marathon. And particularly that last week into the marathon, you're aware of everything that you eat and drink and sleep and do that all of a sudden you kind of think, I just need a break from this because it's mm -hmm. just so much thinking. Yeah, and, and look, sometimes, sometimes you're, you're, you may need that break. Like the, you know, I definitely feel like after Lauren, I didn't take enough time, probably because of the how it didn't go to plan. If you if you're just tuning in and you're new to the podcast, we did this half marathon challenge, which culminated in the Antrim Coast half marathon. Didn't go great for me. You can go back and listen to the carnage in the following episodes afterwards. There's a lot of soul searching that goes on afterwards, and you know, getting back on the horse was a big thing. I probably went back on the horse a bit too soon, didn't get the rest mentally that I needed, that you do need that break to be sufficient. But like you say, son, you need to get back into some sort of running routine. And maybe the park run is the way to go there some some way down the road. It's, it's already set up for you. It's so community based. And of course, we do a meetup run for the group every month. If you'd like to submit your local park run, as uh, one that we could all meet at, just email irishmanabroadpodcast at gmail.com. So with David there, I asked him that question. What would you, if you could go back in the DeLorean to a year before this marathon, what would you have started preparing your body for? What is the prehabilitation that you would recommend? He talked about conditioning and getting the legs prepared for being on top of them for, for so long. Is that something that we can look at now, now that we've kind of decided, Sonia, that we will run or that I will run 2023 in Dublin, not you. Uh, I'll run 2023 in Dublin and we'll build the year of the podcast around this idea. 
What can we start right now thinking about or preparing our body for? Yeah, I mean, we have to prepare for, yeah, loading, loading up the amount of miles that you'll be doing, but then also to look at ways of, um, if you can't run a lot without getting injured, other ways of maintaining fitness and, and doing load. And like he said, going to the gym and doing exercises in the gym that can help you. Mm-hmm. Uh, a bit like Shane Lowry, you know, he's in there doing some gym exercises. And as yeah. you said, it's doing some, it doesn't look like much, but it's doing something. It's doing a lot. And so I think it's key to get, like you don't have to spend hours in the gym and you don't have to do loads, but I think to have some kind of a gym program that you can fall back on throughout the year so that if you're having a rest day from running, that there's something else you can do. You're not just having a day off. You're actually doing something else that's helping you to be a better runner and mm. not just, you know, feeling Lounging. bad that you're not going yeah. for a run. Yeah, yeah. And you're just kind of taking a day off, but it's not a productive day off. Mm. Well, I'm really looking forward to next week's episode where we're going to bring in Vinnie Mulvey, who's been mentioned a couple of times. Vinnie Mulvey here in Ashburn. VinnieMulveyFitness.com is the place to go to look him up. He's obviously a, a quite a well-established runner himself in his own day, and he's worked with some of the top teams in the country. Uh, David has gone to him. Sonia's obviously gone to him. Well, I'm going to go and pay him a visit next week and let you guys hear what he says. I mean, if ever there's somebody that's going to tell, that's going to foresee problems down the road for me going on this road to a marathon, it's going to be Vinny, right? He will recognize the imbalances, the weaknesses. And what I'm hoping, Sonia, is that he will tell me what kind of conditioning I need to do to build up those things. Am I right in assuming that's what we're about to do? Well, I yeah, he'll definitely be someone who will have a, a good idea of all that stuff. He's an experienced runner himself. Um, and, you know, a great physical therapist. So I think when you have that combination, then they can see where you're at. They understand what level of running you're doing and they can help to implement, you know, um, strength and conditioning in, in line with running, um, so that we can kind of make a more rounded program for you Mm -hmm. and that you get a feel for the gym and what you can do in there. Um, what's going to make you stronger. Um, and that's what you can do a lot in the build up before you start doing like say a 12 week program heading in for the marathon. A lot of people start training for the marathon way too far out. Like there's some people probably starting this week for next Dublin marathon. (laughs) They'll be ready (laughs) way too soon. And then you just get bored with it all and you get tired of it all. And then you're just forcing yourself Hmm. a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, well, let me let me give you a little update here um, on my own injury situation. Because this is quite a funny story that uh, was not funny up until yesterday. Struggling for about two weeks after a hard session uh, at Dunboyne Athletic Club, my new athletic club. Shout out to everybody in Dunboyne, including Johnny, who ran it uh, Dublin on Sunday. So I finished that session and I mentioned last week that the back seized up uh, directly afterwards and on a recovery run the next day, things were not good. <laughs> a pain I'd never felt in my life, shooting up the back that seemed to be getting worse every time I placed weight on my right foot. I mean, Sonia, it was real alarm bell stuff because it wasn't getting better. I, I mean, literally, I'd taken 10 days off. I mean, you, you must know that feeling where you're like, 
this should be getting better after 10 days rest, like properly trying to rest this thing. Your head spins, doesn't it, when there's no improvement here. Guess, guess what happened next. Like, I'll give you, I'll give you 10 guesses as to what happens next. Go for it. Oh my gosh, you fell or something. <laughs> and you got up and you were magically fixed. <laughs> how how did you get this close to the right answer? <laughs> I do not believe it. It's like the episode of The Simpsons where Homer was pushing people over a bin to fix their backs. I went to Tato Park on Halloween. Shout out to Tato Park and all the long-suffering staff there who were out in the rain on Halloween. Uh Mikey does not want to go on the Kukulan wooden roller coaster. Neither did I, to be totally honest, but I told him it would be good for him to face his fears. Myself and Tina jumped on the thing and it does lash you around the place. Like, let's be honest, you've been on it, Sonia. You've been on that yoke, have you? Um, I don't think I think we were there before before it was built right well yeah. you got it was around before we were there but uh, <laughs> Colin roller coaster I think it was a work in progress when yeah. I went there well it's in full effect now and it has an amazing chiropractic uh, ability because I could actually feel the moment when it clicked there was something in my back that felt better after getting off a fecking roller coaster <laughs> having been <laughs> unable to run for two weeks. Now, we'll talk to Vinnie Mulvey about whether this is <laughs> therapeutic practice or not, but I Well, feel... he will know because he's he's close to Tato Park. So yes, yeah, yeah. He, he's, if it's happened before, I'm sure he's heard of it. <laughs> he's prescribing roller coasters to people with back problems. I definitely feel better. I don't think I'm cured, but I definitely have identified that this is a weakness. And if people... But you uh, must have been out of sink then somewhere or somewhere. out of whack, you know Some, that yeah. it was something not quite right that it obviously but then just because it's thrown you back in it may not yeah. have thrown you back in correctly yeah you know? and who's to say it, it just, won't happen it just again you saw down the other side tomorrow <laughs> yeah but you know it does it is a big problem their, their low back pain when running is probably one of the number one reasons why a lot of people can't do it or say they can't do it. They think it's out of the question. So partially understanding this and going to Vinny and trying to figure out, can I prevent this from taking place over the course of marathon training is going to be an interesting answer for a lot of people who suffer with it or who are maybe medicating, taking some painkillers to to get past this. Everything I read, Sonia, says you need to strengthen the core and the back and the glutes to mm -hmm. prevent something like this from taking place. And let's be honest, I am doing the sound and editing on this show. I'm not blaming you, Sonia, but a lot of a lot of this is from sitting down so much. If you're sitting down uh, and you've switched to a stand up desk, as so many listeners tell me they've done and they haven't looked back, it seems like sitting down is your worst enemy. Are you are you an active anti-city downer person, Sonia, in the same way you'd be such a, a massive anti-smoking person? They say sitting down is the new cigarettes, by the way. <laughs> well, I definitely I find it difficult to sit down for a long time and I do get lots of aches and pains when I sit down for a long time. So, I, yeah, I do tend to move around and find different places to sit if I have to sit. And and I do. I love to stand up desk as well or stand up you know putting your laptop on top of a, mm. a, a thing of a thing of drawers or something or yeah you know there's often things around the house that you can 
you can put, do it, make a makeshift one. Yeah. You can get a stack of books and put it up there. Because even sometimes they say when you're sitting, the height or the level of where the screen is and which way your your head is, your neck is bent on. Sometimes if you just a few books underneath it can help a lot. Um, I'm actively but, straightening my back as you say that. You'll notice a change in my voice right yeah. now. But it, it, these, these stand-up desks are not cheap, let's be honest. <laughs> I was looking at 450 for for a stand-up desk. But there's also a little motor in them now, so they'll go up and down. Someone else, I think it might have been Laura Hobbins again that was saying uh, you want one that will adjust because it isn't just about standing because apparently you can do yourself damage through standing too long. Uh, that you need to switch from one to the other. If you are if you are someone with experience in this area and are saying, Jerry, you're talking out your hoop, please get in touch. Irishman abroad podcast at gmail.com. Um Sonia, so what what are you what are your plans for this week? You're obviously back there with the union, uh, with the elite athletes and getting back into the swing of things. Uh, you had you had Sophie down for the visit or did you go to visit Sophie this weekend? Um, no, she came to visit me, actually. I think she wanted a change from Seattle. So she was more than happy to come down to Portland for the weekend, which was really nice. She came after running at the Pac-12 cross country on Friday. They were in California. And so then she, they met up with the team Saturday and they did a gym session. And then she was free for the weekend. Um, she could just run wherever she wanted to do so. She came to Portland and we planned to go to this nice trail for a run in a place called Washougal, which is actually in Washington state across the bridge. And there happened to be a fun run on for Halloween. Very (laughs) nice. The scary run. (laughs) Brilliant. Mother and daughter out for the run, the 10K. uh, Oh my God. It was was so funny. I mean, there were so many people dressed up. There was a 5K, a 10K and a half marathon. And there was people in all sorts. There were so many dinosaurs around the place, all in, you know, those inflatable dinosaurs. <laughs> there was so many. They were everywhere. And yeah, people went to great lengths to get dressed up. And even the race organizers, it was the most fun race. It was really good fun. They had like funny signs all around the place. And then you went through the spooky forest. And there was people like lying on the ground, acting like they were dead. <laughs> there was oh someone wearing a red shirt on. They were like, there was someone else like pretending to be stabbing them. Oh my God. Oh <laughs> it my. was like a grim reaper in the woods with a very sharp looking thing. <laughs> Made you run a bit faster. <laughs> this is taking marshalling to a new level. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, the, the marshals, they worked hard to get like, you know, their costumes down. It was unbelievable. <laughs> Fantastic! It was very, it was great fun. So, so we enjoyed that, uh, and and it was funny in that race. There was a bit of out and back in certain sections, and when you'd be coming back against people, it was like what you were saying before about people giving high fives and cheering, and like everybody was like, "Oh, well done, great job!" You know, they're all so encouraging, and it's actually kind of hard to continually talk to people <laughs> like that you know to because then you have to give the greeting back as well yes yeah. and you know when you're trying to run at a, a steady pace you know, <laughs> you lose that concentration so so for me definitely if i for some reason happen to be running the marathon which next year <laughs> I, I i would be I wouldn't You'd be, be winking. someone who, yeah i'd be winking and nodding i wouldn't be <laughs> the high five and the just 
yeah, it goes. Is it can it can definitely <laughs> yeah, distract or, you. Or maybe something. Maybe it makes, it makes popular and twice as hard. Yeah. <laughs> maybe we need to incorporate it into the training. Maybe we need to have yeah. part of the track session is kids high to high five along the side of the track. It's never been done. Who knows? It may be on the cards. One thing is for sure. I am going to the London Marathon in April 2023. So uh, if you are doing that, uh, get in touch. We're going to establish a little training group for that as well. But the event is set up in our Strava Running Club for Dublin 2023. If you plan on running it, we're going to try and put together a squad just like we did for Antrim and really give this a crack. It obviously is a while away. As Sonia said, we don't want to start into this too soon, but definitely we're going to try and get ahead of it. Uh, like David Gillick said, get that conditioning going early on so that that is there to build on. And maybe after the Vinnie Mulvey next week, we, episode next week, we'll we'll talk about what building that conditioning day that you mentioned, Sonia, that that thing that we'll have as our bedrock for the year to come. Uh, as always, Sonia, it's such a pleasure. Thanks so much for doing this and taking time out to do it. I know it's late there for you. It's very, the sun is coming up in the window here for me. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's pretty late. But before we go, I just want to give a shout out to a few people here because there were so many people who competed and, you know, encouraged each other throughout our group, particularly. And, you know, I suppose all in all the Strava mm. people, friends and people that we follow on there. So I do Ruben Whelan, who he ran 259.59. He just dipped under that uh, three hours. Oh, there must have been a big lean at the finish there. Yeah. Um, pa- <laughs> Paddy Doyle got around in just over four hours. Um, Michael Kelly, 339. Terence Shanley, I think, or Shang- Shanley, mm-hmm. 238. Andy Golding, 2.38 and then I was alerted to a girl off on a different tangent altogether, Becky Woods who is the Irish Olympic distance triathlon champion she was in Utah on the weekend at the 70.3 which is half Ironman World Championships and she finished 34th overall for women wow. and second in her age category so well done to Becky for because I'm sure it was quite difficult there um, it would be hilly terrain and no doubt a little bit of altitude as well. Yeah, um, I got a couple of shout outs here from his, uh, while we're at it. Sarah Murphy got in, uh, got, like got it in just under five hours. Fair play to you, Sarah. David Last, another big listener to the show. He's a brilliant fitness uh, guy as well. He, he got around there, not a bother on him. I mean, made it look easy. Derry McVeigh. Uh, shout out to Derry. Um, I wanted to give a, a shout out to Neve. I think her name is spelled U-I Father. I have never heard of that second name in all my life. She said, what a day. Uh, Irish life, Dublin Marathon. Some experience to have my first at Marathon under my belt. Um, she said, I know Jarlath is going to give me a shout out for this. She says she also spotted Niall Quinn. <laughs> Out there around oh, Paul's Bridge. On, really? Niall Quinn oh, giving great. his socks, fresh shaking up, the... Fresh, fresh from graduating from DCU last week, I, I saw. <laughs> a history degree he did. Ah, listen uh, to and, uh, and we can't forget Trevor Cummins, who was very close to his personal best, um, around 2.37, I think he ran. And Elaine de Corsi also went course, out there and yeah. um, had a great run. She sent me a lovely email over the weekend telling me how she was looking forward to it, even though she'd had a bit of a tough year, but mm-hmm. she felt that that was going to be 
good for her to get out and run and she was happy with her result afterwards. So well done, Elaine. Yeah, well done, Elaine. Indeed. Now, Leo McCanna, my cousin, uh, beat my other cousin, Dean Regan, uh, by <laughs> 30 seconds and he will never let him forget that for the rest of his life. <laughs> it's so funny the way these tiny things can matter. Uh, Nigel. Uh, place got in touch to say uh, I ran Dublin today and as I ran in uh, you looked me dead in the eyes and said you have got this <laughs> I believed you he said it was Mr Miyagi-esque the support at the Dublin City Marathon is amazing and makes it such a special day amen to that Nigel uh, and I'll be the other side of the barriers next week and final shout out to Seamus McAteer uh, to Neil Fusco again who ran the most ridiculous negative split I've ever seen and has been such a great supporter to this show Paul Bradshaw uh, mentioned Dave McGeady Owen Blake and Kira Cullen again Ashling and Rojo we could keep going Sonia because there's literally so many there's so people. many I mean I couldn't believe how many people ran the marathon you know because we didn't really talk about the people who were going to run it and, and it's kind of nice too I suppose to be surprised by so many people who went out there and did it we know they can do it and hopefully we will make it even better experience for them next year with a plan of action that will hopefully give them lots of advice encouragement and for now just wish everybody the best recovery and you know enjoy it you can enjoy you know you can enjoy normal daily exercise with, <laughs> without any big focus or you know i suppose target to be aiming for no restriction yeah and um, so, and but between Enjoy the time. absolutely and um, between now and then there is of course the Cove 10 which registration has opened for and we will we will all be there for that one Sonia we cannot wait for that on April 2nd um please do register for that and my own new stand-up show went on sale over the weekend Jarzilla at Liberty Hall on January 6th be filming my brand new special would love loads of you to be there tickets are on sale now and they're very reasonably priced we just want the room packed full of you legends uh, so please do go and buy a ticket then Sonia take care have a great week and I'll talk to you soon I'll talk to you soon okay have a good week What a great experience today. Dublin is just amazing. The support is amazing. There's no place I'd rather be. Absolutely. Thanks to everybody in this group. It's a great community of runners and I really appreciate it. And thanks, Jarlett, and getting out supporting and bringing this group together. Absolutely amazing. And thanks a million. I feel great. I'm still buzzing. I think it was all the sugar. How are you, Jar? Neil here. Still buzzing, but very close to crashing after a phenomenal day. It's just the best experience. So much better than every other race I've done. Absolutely over the moon and just the high fives all the way. It's just best experience. Couldn't recommend enough to anyone. Right, back to the kids' bars and God help me. HR, Sonia, and all the group, thanks so much for all the support today. It meant the world to me. Um, sorry, that's my husband in the background <laughs> having his post marathon shower. Uh, he did 3.14 today, largely to him. Um, but all the support around the route was brilliant. Um, I was giving out high fives to be the band. I was just delighted to be there and thrilled that it's done and dusted now and out for pints. Morning, Charles so enjoyed yesterday's it's great, great experience. The experience, the atmosphere in Dublin, the people in Dublin, they're so, so great. They're so happy to have my charity, the elders of the UK, 
It was a very happy, emotional time, but I got there and I enjoyed it. Thanks to everybody in the support, all the people, their sounds and shouting, and everybody. Michael Kelly from Armagh, good friend of today, a marathon debut at the ripe old age of 47. Yeah, it was just a fantastic experience, but you know, aside from the, the individual sort of achievements, I think just the whole collective community experience was just such a, such a deadly bull. You know, it was just such an honour and privilege to take part. I'd heard a lot about the, the crowds that would be out there, the atmosphere that would be out there in Dublin, the buzz and the excitement and the enthusiasm and the passion was just unreal. I mean, we were treated like, almost like a lot big athletes. We got the Sonia treatment, thank you to you and Sonia, for uh, the podcast and for creating a, a wonderful community that we all have and we all share. One thing I have certainly learned from the marathon this year is to get a t-shirt with your name printed on it because it seems like Ronan's famous. He gets shout outs Tip every two week. minutes. Tip, Tip of the week there. Um, yeah, yeah. It, it's really good. And you know what it really does give you a lift. See, here go on Ronan. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even running, I'm walking now. I'm taking a break here. But um, I have to say, like, it just gives you such a lift. And I don't know, I feel, I'm feeling good. Yeah, so over and out.